When my life ends and I look back on all the experiences that I've had, what do I want to hang my hat on? And am I doing something every single day to make that future a reality? Welcome to Life Snacks. This is a podcast where we discuss how to navigate that crazy time in life that is life after college and in our 20s. When you know how to be alone with yourself and process the things of the world and really decide how you feel and what they mean to you, you have like an unparalleled power to create your life. Here we'll learn through snack-sized stories but life-changing advice about how to create a life we truly want to live. The great equalizer is that we all have experiences and a voice and the power to do something great in this world. For those of you that may be feeling lost, you are absolutely not alone. I think it's a really beautiful moment when you realize that your passions and your purpose and ultimately what brings in your paycheck can align. I'm your host, Lauren Tierney, personally obsessed with snacks, personal development, and helping women be more connected as we navigate this crazy time in life. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get snacking. Hello and welcome back to another episode. This isn't just another episode because guys, this is actually the season finale of season one of Life Snacks. It's been a wild year in One week from today, I'll have released the first episode with the Manifest Her Network of the Life Snacks podcast, where it all began. And holy crap, I can't believe I've edited this podcast and released an episode every week for a year. It's been a ride. It's been a journey. I feel like I've learned so much about myself and I've made so many new friends and connections that I'm so grateful for. Just people like my friend Morgan, who lives down the street. People like my friend Teal, who lives all the way in San Diego. These are people I talk to on the regular. I shoot ideas off. And it's just really cool to see how a platform like this has brought me so much and hopefully brought you a lot as well. With all that being said, there is literally no one better than this guest today to end season one with. This guest is the first person I told I wanted to start a podcast and probably one of the most supportive people that believes in me more than I do some days. Today, we're talking to Tricky Foods. I call her Tricky, but her real name is Therese. I met Tricky in 2020 when I signed up for Cameron Rogers' previous podcast guest's blogging course in 2020 when I was like, okay, I have all this time. What do I want to do? Oh, I want to start a food blog. Fast forward to today, I did not start a food blog, but I did meet Tricky in that course. And there was this girl who literally had the best energy on our weekly Zoom calls and I just was drawn to her from the day we all introduced ourselves. And the craziest part was it was March of 2020, the beginning of one of the most uncertain time in our lives. And Tricky had just quit her job, her full-time corporate job that she was at, I want to say for four years. And she just knew she wanted to pursue her passion, which was food. She wasn't sure how she was going to do it yet. And I was like, holy crap, this girl is fucking awesome but like this is crazy and I remember connecting with her and she told me how she thought she was going to start with charcuterie boards and I was like that's cool like I go for it you should do it and it was I want to say at one beginning of one month she was like yeah I'm just gonna like fire up my old food Instagram and by the end of the month she had like 2,000 followers or something from from nothing, from like a couple hundred. And today, Tricky has almost 10,000 followers on Instagram. She is in the Madison, Wisconsin area and has a team with a full payroll. And she herself is on her payroll just watching her build this business from the day she said, hmm, I think I'm going to start with charcuterie to two years later, seeing how fast she has grown and how much she has accomplished. Tricky is just a walking, living, breathing example that you can do anything you put your mind to 
and that you don't have to stay at your corporate job that makes you cry every day that you hate or maybe you don't hate your corporate job. Maybe you just want to pursue something else in a field that you're interested in. We talk about this a lot today, but she is a living, breathing example that you can do anything and that it's never too late to change paths. In today's episode, Tricky talks about building her business and how she decided it was finally time to leave her corporate job. She talks about tactics and tools she used to make that decision, including tracking the days she cried at work in a journal. Tricky lays it all on the line and really shares such valuable advice for anyone in their first jobs or their their job later in life that just feels like they're meant for more or feels like there's more happiness out there. One thing that really resonated with me in this episode was Tricky saying she loves Mondays. She loves Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Mondays, Saturdays, because they're all pretty much the same for her now. Not to say she doesn't have bad days, but she's built this life that truly makes her excited to wake up every day. Guys, this conversation with Tricky is so powerful. She is such an incredible woman to watch. If you're in the Chicago or Madison area, use Tricky for your events. She did my Life's Next live event. She literally drove out here, stayed at my house, did my event for me, and it was incredible. Did the coolest brunch grazing board. She is so talented, and I am so grateful to call her my friend. So without further ado, here's my conversation with the incredible, funny, loving, smart, insanely epic person that is Tricky Foods. Tricky? Wow, can I call you Tricky on the podcast? Uh, yeah, I would love that. Most okay. of people calls me that. You know that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, today we yeah. have very, very special guest, and it is the one and only Tricky Foods. Tricky, we have to start the podcast with the most important question, and that is, what is your favorite snack right now, and what was your favorite childhood snack? Oh my gosh, this is great. Um, I knew this question was coming because, of course, mm-hmm. I listen to your podcast, but... Honestly, I would say I really enjoyed like my favorite non-healthy snack would be cheese. Dairy kind of gets me, you know, acting up. That's but really on brand for you. It is. It's super on brand. So definitely cheese. But if you have to give us like your favorite cheese. Oh, well, okay. It would be um Seratory Merlot, which is like a Parmesan, Parmesan cheddar soaked in Merlot wine. Wow. Or like a garlic herb borson. So it's like a spread. It's really mm-hmm. good. With, um chips but otherwise that's, that's the one that's like in the circle right the borson cheese mm, yeah those are good something love that one but yeah that's that is like my on-brand snack but also i really just like fresh fruit like an apple that that is what i go to a lot i feel like apples are underrated like i forget about them and then i have an apple and i'm like this is this is fucking fresh i know i i'm like an apple a day girl that oh. if i could if i had you know i'm out of apples right now but <laughs> okay what was your favorite childhood snack Oh, I would take um, nacho cheese Doritos and put them in a bowl and then just like lap it like a dog. So I I put my tongue, I'm doing like a tongue motion right now for the listeners. And I just (laughs) eat it like that while watching TV. Stop it. Yeah. That's that's really something. I've never heard someone eat Doritos like a dog, Tricky. So you're definitely the first. No, it was weird. So you're more of a savory person than you are sweet. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's where we, that's where we differ. Yeah. 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 Okay, Tricky. This is where we like to start the podcast. So take us back to when you graduated from college. Who was Tricky then? What was she thinking and feeling? And what did she think she's going to do with her life and her career? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I went to college at the University of Wisconsin, Whitewater. I went for a degree in IT. And I really, I did that because I knew that's where the money was at. And I also knew a woman in information technology would probably be really good for me. Um, like money wise. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that's great... what we were told to go after in school, right? You're like, okay, money. Yeah. So I went, um, I pursued a degree in that I was really involved in the business club in college. So I did um, American marketing association. So I did a lot of sales competitions, which I loved that. Like we, we would win um, prize money of a couple hundred to thousand dollars if you did well. So I loved sales, uh, didn't want a career in sales, but, and then I also loved and had a passion for Spanish. So I had a minor in Spanish, but yeah, I mean, tricky in college, 
just like anyone at Whitewater. I like to go out a lot, hang out with my friends. And my dream job was something with a really cool culture. So I wanted something with a Google culture, something that was really goofy and cool. So that was all I was looking for in a job. So I had applied to two places after college. Um, one was in Milwaukee, one was in Madison. They're both super cool cultures, very goofy. Um, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to explain if you know a goofy culture, like there's slides there. You people. Yeah. You I had watch. never heard about the company you worked at, like their culture and how f- it was like Disneyland. Like when you told me about it, when we first met, I was like, what is this place? Yeah, I know. I'd heard about it a few years back. So, and, and so I knew it was really cool, but with that, there was also obviously a really heavy workload. So I knew about that too, but I was like, oh, whatever. Since I know that going into it, I'm not, I'm not going to get sucked into working like a dog. So I, yeah, <laughs> I wanted something that was cool. And so I applied to two places and got one of them. And that's what brought me to Madison. And so do you want me to kind of go? Yeah. Tell us about, tell us about that experience. Cause you don't work in it anymore. And I don't yeah. think it and charcuterie have anything to do with each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I got a job at Epic systems in Madison, which is a super huge 10,000 plus employees there, um, medical charting software company. And it's basically in every hospital in the U S and then it's expanding to basically ugh, so many countries. I don't know where they're at now. But so the job, um, to kind of like sum it up, it was very high stress. We had a very high workload and I would be traveling to Texas every other week. So I had been on a hundred planes my first year there, which sounded really cool. I was pulling in what I thought was a really good salary compared to the minimum wage I was making in college and traveling like crazy. I was living this like huge lifestyle. It felt really huge for Mm -hmm. right out of college, you know? So I got sucked into that. And then as I say, I pretty drink, pretty quickly drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. (laughs) Just briefly until I realized I was working constantly. And for me, the reason that that happened was because they have a really intense feedback circle there where it's like, if you make one mistake, they'll, they can rate you on a scale where they say you're either poor, mediocre, excellent, good, whatever. And so if I didn't get anything that was above a good or an excellent, at least that I would feel so down on myself. And so I would, the way I reacted to that was just working constantly. That's so I'd be like, crazy. I've never heard. How often would you get that ranking? Once a month from <gasps> anyone that you work with. That's fucking nuts. Like that is intense. Yeah, it was. And it would be like, you know, at the end of the semester, when you rate your professors, yeah. it would be that monthly. And so they call that a PMGI. Um, and so, yeah, you could get a mediocre or a good. And so I remember the first time I got um, a mediocre and I was like, it, my hands were tied. You know, when you have multiple, when you have a lot on your plate and then you have a high priority thing you have to do. You, You're doing everything you can. Yeah. So it was just kind of insane. And so I just, I, I didn't react well to it. They give you a personality test when you're applying to work there. And so they hire a ton of type A people that are perfectionists and will go to all ends to get the job done. And so that's what I started to do. And then I got to the point where I was, everyone was complaining at work. I was crying on my way to work. I, my office mate was crying. Every one of my friends, like I circled through three groups of friends because everyone just kept quitting, which is very common. I knew that going into it, but it, it's just kind of shattering when you've been there for six months and a third of your friend group is already gone and, and people just leaving every summer. And then you meet, make a new friend group or you leave because all your friends leave. So not to get too into like my time at Epic, but I basically was hating my life. I was trying to do anything that I could to stay at the company because I loved it, but there wasn't a lot of flexibility to move around because you really are just a number there. It's interesting that you say you loved it, but like you hated it, you know, like you loved what it was on paper and in theory, but it's like you were struggling to show up in your life, which I, and how long were you there for? Um, shy of two years. Yeah. So you left right when I met you, right? That was, is that correct? Yeah. That was in 2020. Yeah. I left like a few, my last day was a few weeks before I met you. Um, and taking a step back, I'll say that Tricky was my first internet friend, invited her to come sleep at my house in Chicago. I literally didn't (laughs) know her, but we became fast friends through like a blogging course essentially. And I'll wrap this up as a, well, freckled foodie Cameron Rogers was recently just on the podcast and she was hosting a course in 2020. And at the time I was like, 
cool. Um, I love baking. It's 2020. All I'm doing is baking. I'm going to make a food account. And then there's this girl tricky in my course who had just left her corporate job and had so much spunky energy and was talking about her charcuterie boards and we hit it off. But I quickly learned your story of leaving your job at Epic and literally going like full time in on this passion. So can you talk about how you got to that point and what that looks like at first? Yeah. So when I was like, I am so over this job at Epic, I kind of got to that point where every single day I'd ask myself, did I enjoy work today? If it was a yes, I would mark it off in green. If it was a no, I'd mark it in red. Or if I cried that day, I'd put it in blue. (laughs) It was like, I love that you had this like system for tracking like your tears. Yeah. Oh no, literally. I mean, I could go into more details, but I'll, I'll refrain. But like, I needed it because what you don't measure, you can't change. So I didn't know if it was just in my head, if I was just having a bad day and I was going to make a decision off an emotion, but I wanted to start tracking it. So I got to the point where I'm like, screw it. Like I, I'm falling asleep at family events. I'm falling asleep at friend events. I'm so cranky. I cry all the time. My family says I'm not who I used to be. I, yeah. and so I eventually got to the point where after I got my bonus, I was like, I'm going to leave. So eventually a few months after that, I did put in my notice. I put in a month and a half notice. And after a month of that notice, there was this coronavirus. Everyone's like, oh, Corona in Lyme virus. Everyone was joking around at that point, you know, for um, or my two weeks in, when I had two weeks left. And then I was like, oh my crap, like my sister's wedding got moved my whole life. Like, uh, how can I leave a stable job with really good insurance right now? But I still like, you know, I'd already put in my notice. So I entered unemployment without a job lined up. Um, my plan was to originally travel, but that all got shut down too. And so I had all this time. I I began to have all this time kind of answering the question of like, if you had a full calendar that was completely open, how would you spend your time? Like, that's how my life was. I didn't have crazy. Yeah. It was because, you know, everything big in my life had been canceled just like everyone else. So I had all this time. And then that's when I found that food course, someone had sent me a, a TikTok of, Cameron, where she's like, this is what happened in my life. I started this food business. I was in the corporate world. And so I kind of related to that. And so I just started listening to, um, tons of podcasts of people that had food companies and reading books that I felt like were empowering me and then trying to surround myself with people. You know, that's why I, I, I feel like we connected. We connected. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we were both on that journey of like, I don't really know what I want to do, but I know it's like something else. Yeah, exactly. And so like, I basically spent that time that first month after with being unemployed, I spent that time cooking a lot. And just like, that is my biggest passion. Cooking is my biggest passion. So I started using my food Instagram that I created years ago. And I was just kind of reposting pictures and I had some ideas, but with the pandemic, farmers markets weren't open in in the Madison area. So I I couldn't sell stuff at a farmer's market. Yeah. So I then kind of found some people on Instagram a friend of a friend was selling charcuterie boards in Texas. So I reached out to her and I was like, yo, how's it going? He's like, it, it's so awesome. Like I'm selling so much. We didn't know anything about the laws of food or anything. And ba- literally based on that, I told my brother-in-law and my sister, I'm like, I think I'm going to start a charcuterie business, like a snack business. And they're like, no, nah, I don't think that's the right idea. But I looked at it and I calculated in my head what I thought they were making if they're selling their product at this. And I quickly calculated how much the cost of that stuff would be. I thought to myself, oh my gosh, they must be making bank, which is very naive because there's so much more that goes into it. And there's a lot of laws around food. So silly me, but I said, whatever, I'm going to do it. And so I bought like $500 worth of ingredients or not ingredients, um, like boxes and little honey jars and all this stuff on Amazon. And then I took, I made my first charcuterie board when I was taking product photos. So I made a large board and then took those ingredients and made a smaller board. And then I ended up giving it to my neighbor downstairs because I was like, yeah, I was, I'm starting a business with a sample board. (laughs) And so, yeah, that, that is when I kind of like came up with making the first product and you knew me then, like, I think I I was like, I think I'm going to do this business. Yeah. I mean, I think you're not even explaining like the amount you have done in the past few years, Tricky. Like I met you and I want to say you had like 500 followers on Instagram because you used to to post like your whole 30 meals or what was it? Was it, is that what you were doing then? Cause you, you had stomach issues. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So it was like an old food account. And you said to yeah. me when we had just met in the beginning of 2020, you were like, I want to get to like a thousand followers that month. I'm like, that's it's dope. Like you can do it. And now I was looking at it before this interview and you almost have 10,000 followers. You're at like 8,000. So you're like, you've grown exponentially. And I think you have such a massive, like loyal following because you're so authentically yourself on your social media. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to just talk about like in those early days, was there a moment that you were like, holy shit, I could like make this a thing. Like this is bigger than like a smaller charcuterie board business or like initial sales that really shifted your mindset or trajectory of the business? So when I first started the business, I was, there's one other girl in Wisconsin who was doing something similar, but yeah, in a different city and she's awesome. She's given me so much advice, but I would say our products are very different. And so is our target market. So, and so our pricing and so on. And I, I didn't feel I felt good about it. I had a lot of strangers that were buying from me at this point. Like it wasn't just friends or friends of friends. It was complete strangers that find me online. And so I felt good about it, but it's a little hard to get for me. It felt hard to stay motivated or stay sharp because I was living alone. I didn't have any coworkers. And honestly, you know, where they say like iron sharpens iron, I didn't have someone else to kind of bounce ideas off of it. like that. It was, it was fun and exciting, but it was a little lonely. But then, um, when I started seeing other charcuterie businesses pop up in the area and there's, I mean, legal charcuterie businesses in the area, there's maybe one other one. And it, it doesn't matter. Cause I, I know where they're at. I've been there too, but there's probably, you know, like 10 other people around the Which area. Which is crazy. Cause you were the first in your area. Yeah. really. Oh gosh. I remember even the first other charcuterie person after me an hour and a half away from me. I'm like, crap, like this yeah. is my competition. But I mean, you know, that means you're on to something, right? Though, because there's like there's a market for it. There's people that want it. And that's why enough people can do it. Yeah. Well, and so when I started to see that, I think it kind of made me sharper because I, I was like, oh my gosh, they're growing so quickly. Yeah. Look at this here, look what they did. And just not in the local area, but seeing the global, like the national market, there were some people that in different big cities that were doing huge things. And it was super motivating for me. It, not that I'm a super competitive person, but I am a type A person that yeah. does kind of rise to the mm-hmm. top. So seeing that was really impressive. And it made me think, oh, wow, that's an option for me. Or I, that's something I didn't even think about. Like, that's a really good idea. And so I think the more that I saw that, and then the more that I was listening to podcasts on these food entrepreneurs and how they started, like, it made me think I could do it. And I can't, you know, I'm two years deep. Like there's still a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of, I know, but everything you've learned in the past two years, like from the laws and all of the legality and everything, I feel like it's been such a ramp up, but you've done so much in the past two years. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, if it wasn't for the pandemic, like I don't think I would have spent that time staying up yeah. all these nights until four in the morning, making business cards or emails or looking up inspiration or, making, I I don't know, all these things that I wouldn't have done because typically if I would have quit my job, what I would have expected of myself would to be go travel, go hanging out with friends, like hang out with friends a lot. Have You couldn't see friends. Like you couldn't do all those other things. And that's why I think as painful as 2020 was for so many, it gave a lot of people this new opportunity to hone in on something they maybe never would have had the time for. Yeah, I know. Uh, And that's how I feel too. Like it, I know that 2020 and 2021, even part of 2022 has been really rough. But for me, if the pandemic didn't happen, I I don't know if I would have had my business, which I mean, it's interesting, just like in 2007 with the recession, recession. Mm-hmm. so many huge companies came from that, you know, like Instagram and so yeah. on. All So it is cool. It's going to be cool to see in 10 years from now, all the stories yeah. and people that came up with things during this time. Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask you about something that has always stuck with me from like when I first met you and you once said, I was talking about anxiety. Like I'm someone that has a lot of anxiety. I think most people resonate with anxiety and you were talking about kind of how, when it comes to your business, you were like, I get excited. Like it's not 
anxiety. Like when I get a massive order and I was like, that is so fucking cool that you wake up excited about a challenge, right? Because I think challenge people associate with like being scared or being anxious, but how, how has that worked in your business? How do you shape your mindset around building your business and approaching it? I feel like you approach it from a very fun lens and a less anxious lens. And maybe that's how you show up on social, but you're a pretty goofy, funny, awesome gal to follow. So what, what keeps you going? Like what does tricky foods thinking that drives her business every day? Okay. Let me see. So, okay. The first part of that. And I think, I, I think I remember this conversation. Yeah. I might've said something along the lines of when you're doing a job, you don't enjoy and it's high pressure. It feels like stress. Yeah. But when you're doing something you love, it feels like passion. So I've had stressful weekends, but it's just me going in overdrive because I really want to do a good job. And there's just like, I want to succeed. Yeah. Um, on social media, the brand of tricky foods is definitely, it's supposed to be fun and lighthearted and watching this 25 year old girl go after business and figure it out. And that's the vibe behind the scenes. I do feel like I try to have a lot of fun, but there are so many things behind the scenes that are, have been very difficult. And I do sometimes find myself procrastinating or running yeah. away from conversations that are difficult, negotiating taxes, legal stuff, you know, getting the you and your accountant meet more than anyone. <laughs> oh my word. I know if you ever listen to this, thank you, Tom, for all your help. But, <laughs> yeah. I, So that, but I think the thing that keeps me going in the background is having another friend that's in the industry, um, that I can go back and forth with. And there was another one of your podcasts I was listening to with the founder. I think it was Doe. Mm -hmm. She's the best. She was saying something similar too, where it's like, if I didn't have these CPG founders for her, but for you, it's like Mickey bakes his business. Right. Yeah. So that's when the game changed for me. So I felt good about my business, but I wasn't sure how long I could keep it up because it, it, it is a lot of work and it's hard to stay motivated when it feels kind of lonely at this point. I didn't have any employees. I didn't have really, I didn't know a lot of people in the area because again, pandemic. And so when I met her and I had seen her going after it for a year longer than me, that was really, that was really cool. We started doing a lot of stuff together and her business increasing helped my business increase and mm-hmm. all of our customer base crossed over so much. People love just seeing us interact together. And not only was I, were we building our businesses together, but we were also building a friendship. And I mean, since then she's become my best friend, but to be able to sit with her and discuss so many of the same, like we're going through the same things. We're yeah. getting similar numbers in sales. We have, we're getting employees at the same time. We have similar businesses. So we have similar, you know, workers comp, similar accounting, um, like filing for a business. How do we do that? Uh, just experiences with oh gosh, like accountants and, and everything. So to be able to have someone to do that with, I, I really don't know how anyone could start a business and keep to it unless they have other friends that have small businesses. So since then I kind of made it my goal since last summer to just get a lot of other small business people together. So since then our whole friend group is like eight people that own businesses and they're all in their first yeah. two four years of business. So everyone is at at a similar point where we're, yeah, we're all just kind of doing the same Mm -hmm. thing. And that's what keeps me motivated, honestly, is, is having this super motivated friend group. It's like, everyone's working on a group project, but everyone's contributing, which is really cool. I feel like that's just life, right? Like at some point in life, we were told this myth that everyone is competition, but we go so much further together in community. Like when you speak your dreams and the things you want into existence, that's how you're successful. Like it's not because you're sitting alone, not telling anyone about your ideas, grinding in your house all day. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like, there's a quote that I feel like maybe this helped teach me a lot is like the quickest way to go up is to bring someone up with like with you. Yeah. Bring someone up together. Bring. Yeah. Um, we rise together. Yeah. But actually, no, it's yeah. true. I mean, even with you and me, I feel like you've encouraged me so much at the beginning at a time where I had, I didn't know Miggies. I didn't have any girlfriends in the yeah. area. You were more encouraging to me than a lot of my friends and my family, because you were kind of going through the same thing. So that 
Yeah, that is honestly, as a 25 year old gal trying to start a business to have friends that are doing the same thing is probably the biggest thing that motivates me. Of course, like I have sales goals and that's really fun for me. But the biggest thing is like, I choose how much I work every day. And if I'm not motivated to either market or do reaching out to people, responding to people like the sales, some will come in, but you can't, it's very, your work equals the amount of, for me, income that comes in. Yeah. Going, going back to like, when you made the decision to leave your job, I want to ask for your advice for someone listening that maybe is in the same position as you. They're like in one of their first jobs that thought was their dream job or was goes perfectly with the major they got. Like, what would you advise someone going through that? I know you read a ton of books at that time. You tracked your emotions, like be like, get into the details and tell us like really what went into that decision and maybe some recommendations or resources you'd offer someone listening. Oh gosh. Okay. So it's interesting because obviously I have my food Instagram. I talk a lot about small business and behind the scenes. And then I talk about quitting my job. And when I talk about quitting my job, that's where I get more messages than anything that I do. Yeah. So it definitely, there are so many people that are unhappy in their job, whether they are my age. So 25 in their first job, it's very weird and hard to leave your first job. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when our parents' generation kind of stuck at one job. Yeah. And they didn't, our parents' generation, this is such a tangent. They didn't have LinkedIn. They didn't have Instagram. So they didn't know what other jobs were out there. We have this constant view of anything else we could be doing. So it's, it's also just makes it a bit more complex. Yeah. Well, so that, and that's true. So there's people our age and there's also people, you know, their forties, fifties that are super unhappy and have been unhappy with their jobs. So the first thing I would say is that there is that right now in 2022, there's more jobs and there's people to fill those jobs. Yeah. So if you don't like your job there, there's another job better for you out there. I know a lot of people struggle with like, what do I want to do? Well, for me, I looked at cooking as always a passion. I don't even know what job I could have gone into besides self-employment that would have, that would have given yeah. me the same fulfillment. Or I didn't know, I don't really know. You don't know all the things that are in your passion job, your passion dream job mm-hmm. or entering the field and starting and trying things. Like you have to just try stuff. Yeah, exactly. So let's see advice for someone trying to leave their. Normal- I remember you told me you read the confidence code and that you, I don't, I think you recommended that book to me yeah. and I read it and I feel like you were very into like self-development then and trying to figure out like your emotions and what makes you happy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the confidence code was a life-changing book. Um, but yeah, so I was trying to definitely have, like, pump myself up because my time at Epic really felt, made me feel discouraged. It made me feel like I wasn't good enough for a job. I, I knew I was like a very smart person, but being in that job, I felt like I wasn't my sharpest. And so I would say if you're planning to leave your job, figure out what you really love, like what makes you what is your deepest passion? Because do you just want to leave a job you hate to another job you might like, or do you want to go all in on your dream? So mm. for example, so now this is two years out. So it's, it's honestly almost getting a little foggy, but I think about my latest like success story is my boyfriend. So he was in, he's 29. He was in a job. He absolutely hated selling uh, mortgage loans, was making incredible money, but basically hated his life, hated the amount of hours he was working. And he constantly talked about work. You know, if you're working yeah. 10 to 12 hours a day and talking about it all the time, yeah, that's it's taking up every ounce of yeah. your life. It's sucking out all of who you are. And I think then people lose their identity between who they are and what they do. Yeah. Well, and it crosses over for, especially yeah. for someone that's career oriented, like you or me, it, it really does. It cross is. Over. Yeah. But I was just like, I'm, you know, stop like can you do something about it? Because I'd really like to get to know who you are and not just hear about your job. And so he immediately went on leave with his job and took that month because it was a very high, like stress job. He didn't have time to apply for other jobs because he was just always bogged down. So he took a month of leave and then applied for jobs in his dream industry, which is golf. 
totally unrelated. And you think about golf, like me and not knowing much about golf at the time, I was like, well, can you go to like Dick Sporting Goods and sell golf clubs? Like, are you going to try to be a pro? Did he work for like the PGA? That's where my mind goes. Yeah. I know. I'm like, is this realistic? (laughs) You're like, I don't know much about golf, but yeah. Well, so I was like, honestly, I'd rather see you work at like a Dick Sporting Goods or whatever, but that that's like, there's, there's different levels of everything. So like there's the kind of like the lower level of just working at a yeah which I don't think he probably was going to make the transition to do he's like for mortgage loans yeah definitely but he has these dreams and goals of like 10 to 15 things that he would love to do in the golf industry and he Mm -hmm. felt like the easiest way to like kind of penetrate the market of golf is to get into a job and and a job that still pays well and so he's now a club fitter at um, it's called club champion so and it's a really great job you know with like commission and he loves going to work every day and it's like Oh, I'm so happy for him that he's, he's doing that. So, and it's totally different. Like that was his biggest passion of all time. But I think if someone asked you, like, if you could get out of this job and do your dream, like, don't think about all the things on how hard it would be to get there, but what would it be? Because I really don't think it's that it's not that crazy. Anyone could leave their corporate job with a passion of golf and get a job in the golf industry, whether it be something like low level and you move up every like six months or, you know, and then you get to where you want to be in 10 years. But I just, I don't feel like it's that difficult to get a job in a field you love because as someone who employs a few people now, I am looking for people that are super passionate and I will make a job for them or like a space for them. If they came to me saying, this is what I love to do. And I could like help your business doing this. So I don't think anything's off the table. Um, But also I should say this, I didn't even mention this. When I quit my job, I didn't just quit I didn't have, you know, another job lined up, but I did waitress in between that time because I knew I still needed to maintain an income, but I needed to free up my brain space where I could think about what I wanted next. So yeah. like that still paid incredible. Like as I, at a country club, I absolutely like love it, loved it. Maybe I'll be back someday, but <laughs> like that helped me also network with yeah. a lot of people and they ended up becoming a lot of my clients, but that was really, really cool. I had, you know, it didn't take any brain capacity to go to work and I was able to yeah. think about wanted to do, but yeah, I, I would just say, I'm trying to think if I answered the question of you did when that's trying. No, I think your advice is, is really spot on because I think before even finishing, if you, if I ask most people, even if I ask myself most days before finishing the the thought of like, I'm like tricky, what would you do if you could do anything every day? But before finishing what you say, oh, I'd make sure credit boards, usually, especially as women, we're coming up with eight reasons we can't. Well, I couldn't make money. I need health benefits. Like you're either going to come up with an excuse Or you're just going to like come up with a reason why you could do it because there's always going to be excuses. There's always going to be reasons why it won't work. And it's like, what do you want more? What do you value more? And financially, I think it's challenging for a lot of people. Like that is something very real, but how has like your mindset changed since you've stepped into a new, completely different industry? And like, I would say you look like you're someone that's following your passion every day, although taxes and legal shit isn't fun. Um, how, how is like tricky changed as a human and what have you gained from all of this? Well, I definitely feel like everyone has a passion. I felt like I was born with my passion of food. I've loved it ever since I was little, or you somehow develop a passion, something that you love from your childhood that you sometimes just kind of put to the wayside as a hobby yeah. that you want to do on your weekends. But I, you know, I don't want to live for my weekends. I love, I absolutely mm-hmm. love Mondays. I love Tuesdays, not every day, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> there's always a day, a couple of days a month where it's, but I love every day of the week. It, the weekends uh, days don't change for me. And so that's wait, fucking cool though. Like let's pause <laughs> there and just say like, you love Mondays. Like what, what would you say? Probably like 98 of the population hates Mondays. Hates yeah. Tuesday. Like, yeah. Mondays are like my chill, my chill. Well, I've made them to what I want them to be. They're my meeting yeah. days, catch up days. And you know, I create my own schedule, but okay. When I said that now I got pumped about that, but what was your original question? Cause now I'm thinking <laughs> how just your mindset has changed and you've changed as a human through all yeah. of this. So I definitely feel like everyone has a passion, whether they realize that or not, or they're still figuring it out. But I also believe that nothing is off the table. Like anything 
like I said, if you could write down anything, your dream life, your dream salary eventually, or anything that you want to do, I think I really do believe you can achieve all those things. Like I really wanted to have a cooking show on a gas pump screen, you know, like I thought that'd be really cool to use gas pumping, like gas station ingredients to make a cooking show. So I reached out to the gas station and they're like, yeah, we'll pay you. I don't know if you want me to say $10,000 to create a cooking show. Yeah. And that was like one of your biggest first deals. Like, yeah. Like that was crazy. Tricky. Crazy. People are pumping gas and seeing your face. Yeah, I know (laughs) that was fun, but it's like, there are no rules. There's no, uh, if you're in the corporate world, there's like, this is what you have to do to climb the ladder. For me, I reached out to them online. I did some like kind of not really paid work from them for the first year. And then I sent them a video pitch, like, yo guys, I have this really cool idea. What do you think? And I, I created my own path and they're, they're like, yeah, let's do it. No one had ever done that before. It was, yeah, I like create creative that, that fulfills me, you know, creative ideas. So that is possible. It wasn't like I had experience making a cooking show, but they, they say, they said yes. And I feel like the rest of the world is like that. If you're super passionate, people want to help yeah. get you where you want to go. So I love that you said there are no rules because it's fucking true. There yeah. are no rules for how you live your life, whether you feel like there are or not, there's literally not one. And you can speak any dream into existence. And I think you're a perfect example of that. Yeah. I, yeah, I definitely believe that. And that's why I feel like every person I meet that tells me they don't like their corporate job. I'm like, Oh, well, let's talk about it. What do you want to do <laughs> You're like, step into my office. Seriously. It's, it's a problem though, but my three closest friends, I met them all when they were in corporate jobs and they're all now doing the things that they love, whether it's self-employment or, you know, like doing their yeah. job in the industry they love. So yeah, that that's really my biggest mindset change. Um, and this is probably speaking more to entrepreneurs, people that want to do entrepreneurship that yeah. I found that a passion of mine, like building something from scratch is so fun for me because there you get to create something new. And I love that. Um, I hope other people that aren't in entrepreneurship can also, you know, you can pivot from a job you hate to a job that's already existing Yeah, in a, in a field you love. I mean, honestly, it's probably a lot easier. And if you don't care about like having your own thing in the create. Yeah. Then you don't have to create the laws and legalities and employ. I mean, you've just stepped into this boss role. Now you have a team, you have people that work under you. How has that been expansive for you? Or are there any pain points that you've struggled with? And as your business has grown? Um, yeah. So I kind of fell into my first employee. He reached out to me. It was a friend of us. Yeah. Oh, he's incredible. Jack, shout out. Um, He reached out to me and I was, I mean, the first two people that helped me out and kind of like worked with me, either volunteered to work with me or I began to pay them both reached out to me saying they were interested in the field. They like to see what I was doing, which a side note, I do feel when you're following your passion, you really are kind of lighting up lighting up a space and people are drawn to that. They want to be a part of it. So like I had multiple people reaching out saying, Hey, I love this. I love what you're doing. I just want to learn what you're doing. Can I be a part of it? Yeah. And so my first two people were like that. And it's a little difficult to get. <laughs> it's very difficult when you're creating a new product and you're still trying to figure out what you want it to be or, or what it's going to look like to kind of out, outsource that to someone else. So it was a very like slow transition, but now as I'm growing and I'm reaching capacities, I capacities, I can't reach myself. It's how to create a product that is repeatable where I don't have to be there. Yeah. So it's scalable. Yeah. So that's why I've been working. That is super. I mean, and that's very detailed work when it comes to like charcuterie boards. It's like, okay, every board has five ounces of grapes. Every board has three ounces of this cheese, nine slices of this. So it's like, you kind of have to make it so specific. Mm-hmm. So you know that when you hit X quantity, you have the right amount of ingredients and the right amount of help and the right amount of time in the kitchen to get it all done. So that has been a big learning thing for me. Um, with the employees, honestly, they've fallen into my lap right now. There are, there are like four, I'd say four and a half people because they're all kind of very part-time during holidays on maybe a three or four of them working more consistently, but they've all reached out to me and they've all wanted to be a part of the business. I I didn't really have to do much searching and they were very persistent on like wanting to be a part of the business, but it's because food lights them up or entrepreneurship lights them up or something like that. So it's attracted the right people. Um, 
I think you would, it's like the saying where it's like you were, whatever energy you put out, you receive back. And like you put out this passion energy and like people that are similarly passionate or like, I feel like this term and like being like, you're kind of like in the closet passionate. They like read all the food blogs, they follow all the bloggers, but they're like, I don't, I don't know how I'd ever do that. And then they see you and they're like, hi, me too. Like, talk to me, pick me. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, I think the quote you're thinking is your vibe brings your tribe. Yeah. Or something like that. Like that. But like, exactly. It's, it's so true. Like how you and I have become friends, like how I become friends with Amber, how so many people I've met is just because like, I like their energy. Like I remember on that call, we were taking that course together and it was like a bunch of girls like wanting to start businesses or like blog. And I didn't even tell like Joe, my boyfriend, I was doing it. Cause I was like, this is so embarrassing. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And you just kept speaking up on calls. You're like, okay. So I was thinking, cause like you were like, you were the only one there that wasn't like launching like little food Instagram on the side. You were like, no, no, I need to make a business like tomorrow. So you were really speaking up, but I'm like, this chick is so cool. Her energy is so good. Like I need to be her friend. And I think I DM'd you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it was funny because for people that obviously weren't there, this was a course with a bunch of strangers, 20 girls on a a zoom meeting that would meet for an hour. And so we, what we got to talk once for introductions maybe, and then raise our hand and speak. And I have this weird thing where anytime I'm in a group, I always feel this pressure that I need to speak up. (laughs) I I think that's good because most people like shrink themselves, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, one time you did speak up and something about you, I just remember thinking something about And I I don't know why it's weird, but I don't know why I just felt like I wanted to be your friend. And then we did, we were messaging online, which was cool, but it's a good (sighs) lesson. And like, tell the people you want to be friends with, who you're inspired by that. Like, hi, introduce yourself. Like so often we let things like that slip through the cracks. We're like, I met a really cool girl at like an event or whatever, whatever, like a party, but you never follow up. And I think like you said, I'm not sure how you've met all of your entrepreneurial friends, but I assume it's something like that. And it's like, those have changed your life. Like those connections have quite literally changed your life and your business. And if you didn't reach out or speak up or follow up it, you never be where you are. And I think that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, every single one of my friends, I kid you not, I met off Instagram now and they all have businesses. And the cool thing is I told myself this last summer, I'm like, I'm not sitting around and waiting to be invited. I'm going to create this friend group. or yes. try to. And so I just put them all in a group chat and I started inviting them over for things. So I try to get us all together as much as possible, because I know we all feel the same way of not having coworkers and feeling loneliness and just wanting that's the biggest thing. I love the teamwork aspect of the corporate world. And I didn't get that until now that I have coworkers, you know, doing similar, but different things. I feel like you're such a people person too. And that's like, I think a lot of entrepreneurs speak out about this. Like that's a mental health struggle of entrepreneurship sometimes of being so siloed and on your own and feeling like a little in your own head about things when really speaking things out loud and being in a collaborative environment is so powerful for growth. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just so much more fun to celebrate wins with someone else that you can also bring on a win. You know, like if I yeah. get a catering event, um, inquiry, I'm always like, can we add on Maggie's bakes cookies yeah. and, but, <laughs> for everyone listening? Maggie's bakes is a bakery in the Madison area and she's incredible. And also she, her like, stuff is crazy, like yeah. literally crazy. I don't know how she does it. Yeah. She's good, but she's also our age, which is really cool. So before I get to my closing questions, you just said like, it's fun to celebrate your biggest wins. So what have been your biggest wins or high moments so far in building the biz? Okay. Gosh. Let's or just see. like most fun moments, even like it might not be monetary as much, but just like the most fun moments you've had so far on this journey. Um, I would say the quick trick. The quick trip thing was really cool. Like getting paid to make social media content on more than one occasion. It, it wasn't just with like that brand, but it was a few others that I've gotten really cool deals with. So those were huge wins. I think anytime I do a huge event that is my max capacity, the biggest I've ever done is always very intimidating, but getting past that and not only getting past it, but the people being so happy. So I've done events with 350 people. I've done virtual classes with over a hundred people. Um, 
and just getting people in the community that I've looked up to and I you've reached out to or tried to be like them. Or, you know, I've tagged all these news people in all of my posts back in the day and then having those people reach out and saying, hey, can we put you in our magazine or hey, can we interview you for this newspaper? Yeah. Um, and then also just like having a month where I reach a huge sales goal where I, I, I think to myself, holy crap, could I, you know, this is really scalable. And the last thing I'll say is paying myself a salary for the first time. That was a really. Oh my gosh. When did that start? It, it was in December when I, right before the fiscal and the fiscal, um, yeah, fiscal year ended. I looked at the account, talked to my accountant and we decided to pay myself um, basically like a bonus, a salary for the whole year. And now I'm, I'm on payroll. So I get, I'm now an employee of my own company and I get paid bi-weekly, which is. That's like, crazy. That is freaking nuts. I know. I know. So that's why I don't waitress anymore. That's why I don't teach cooking classes at this um, other place. I was teaching classes back home because I do now have enough yeah. to sustain my life. But I mean, it's just, it's a humble salary, yeah. humble people, but I'll get there someday. Uh, I have definitely big goals that I would love. I see this business being a big part of my life for a while, 10, 20 years. Me too. Me too. I'm, I'm here for it. Tricky. I have two closing questions. And the first is what is one thing you wish you valued more or paid more attention to earlier in life? Um, I want to say my passion and pursuing it more seriously, but also I learned so much from the corporate world and not doing my passion. My passion came easy to me. The other yeah. things didn't. So I am glad that I did those things. I don't, I, there's, I'm happy with what I know now. And I feel like I learned things in the right time. But if you ask me this question, like a week from now, maybe I'd give you a different answer. <laughs> Okay. What is one piece of advice you'd give to the tricky who just graduated from college? You don't have to hold on to your first job. There's no, there's no pride or whatever you call it to stick out your job the longest and suffer the longest, like to get four to five years at a job and have people go, Ooh, ah, that's really impressive. Last a second, but those years you can't get back. Damn. Mic drop. That was, that was yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Tricky. How can everyone listening support you? Where can they find you? How can they follow you? Ooh. Okay. So you can find me on Instagram at tricky foods. Um, you can, if you're in the Madison area, either buy a charcuterie board, if you want to try some of the goods yourself, or I teach a lot of classes virtual or in person. So if you're someone out of state, I do virtual classes or I do catering events. So grazing tables and I'll travel anywhere. So if anyone wants to fly me out to a different state, that's on the bucket list. Yeah. And Tricky did my event in Chicago. It was incredible. Literally, people are still posting pictures of the food and snacks. And she makes the coolest grazing tables around. So dreams and goals for your next party for sure. Oh, well, thank you. Tricky, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, this is this is great. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Tricky. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please share it on social, tag Tricky, let her know what resonated with you. And if you've been here all season or if you're just tuning in, thank you so much for your support and thanks for listening. Lots of exciting things are ahead for season two, and I can't wait to share all that's coming with the Life Snacks community soon. So tune in on social and keep an eye out. And I'll be back with more episodes and exciting news on what's to come soon. Thanks for listening.